Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Woo woo. We're doing it again. Yeah, it's the, you know, a show where Shamani 2 occasionally shows up. <laughs> We're doing two of us again because it's just how it goes with three people. It's hard to schedule three people. <laughs> no, it's so much stuff always comes up. Mm-hmm. So the, the roulette wheel continues to spin. I don't know if that's how that works. Um, <laughs> you would think I would. The uh, Red Robin roster. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's it. That's round robin. Yep. Um, the round robin roster continues. Oh, red yeah. robin. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited fries. That's right. <laughs> You're going to get bottomless Mark's madness. Uh, the way we read sometimes, it feels like that. So <laughs> It's just like the garlic fries. You want more. <laughs> uh, we're going to get back into reading the Gramsci reader that uh, Prez has uh set up for us and we'll be on slide 92 at the beginning of section two uh, of chapter three fa- factory councils and socialist democracy to be conquest of the state before we do that we always get any corrections to current events um the big current event i think then is from last week was it last tuesday i my memory is so blah i think it was last tuesday uh where there are demonstrations across canada uh in favor of search the landfill for people who are not familiar prairie green landfill in um ottawa is being asked and has been for months being asked uh to search uh to find the remains of morgan harris and mercedes mirin uh as well as possibly a couple of other uh indigenous people too yeah the dude's a serial killer who admitted that's where he puts the bodies yeah there's, there's undoubtedly more bodies besides this dude's body count yeah you know. Yeah, and and so this you know this ties back not only to just but the serial killer getting to to get away with shit because police don't actually do anything as well as you know missing and murdered uh, indigenous women and two spirit people. Uh, it's but not also, that he's getting away with things; it's that they said it's good enough that he's only being charged with some of the crimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, like that. That does not give closure to the families. That is that is not. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so these are these are calls um, specifically Probably to search- me look down at my brisket. <laughs> uh, but those are those are calls specifically to, to look at Prairie Green landfill uh, as well as other you know landfills um, for other bodies across Canada. So uh, those well, are major. So the big thing is, it's yes. like there's probably cops' bodies in there. That's the issue. Mm. There's a common practice called um, Starlight Tours where they take homeless indigenous people or drunk indigenous people, pick them up on drunk and disorderly. Instead of bringing them to the police station, they drive them into the middle of the woods in the middle of winter and then have them walk back. Mm. A death sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That's modern death sentences. That's a trail of tears. It's a one person trail of tears. I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, that that is extremely fucked up. Um, so I mean that obviously why they don't want those landfills searched, and they give bullshit answers like, "Oh, we looked as hard as we can," and whatever, you know. So yeah, fuck them. And that that's why it's so important for the push for find you know searching the landfills as well. Um, that's really the big current event I had. Um, I mean, obviously, like there's there's constant pressure on Haiti. 
um, because the U.S. just does not want to give them sovereignty and, and demonstrations and, and uprisings have happened there over the last five years pretty constantly, um, where the last few months uh, Dominican Republic has been recruited. The other half of the island and very much works as a U.S. puppet um, has been recruited to invade as a, a stabilizing police for it's a fucking invasion. Um, you know, but that's not that's not breaking, I guess. Um, so I don't I don't have anything like I don't know. A lot of people up. aren't talking about it, though. I feel like. It's yeah. Breaking. You know? Yeah. We can't we can't just ignore Haiti and the suffering people are going and the, the revolutionary uprising. They're getting in the collaboration of the United States and, and its puppets. If anything, Haiti's probably gotten a little more attention um, from the United States as the, the war in Ukraine stalled, too. Oh, so. 100%. Um, the thing is, is like the only time you really see it being talked about, right, is um, with regards to uh, like AOC and like mm-hmm. Lula, like criticisms against them. They're like, oh, they helped invade Haiti, but they're not talking about how it's happening. Again. right now yeah yeah right yeah now. yeah and no, i mean again those are those are valid you know valid criticisms right like hey lula lula's you know a, a moderate left-wing guy and things were way worse but like he still helped invade haiti and that was bad and that was kind of like a backstabbing for for anyone you know being pro third world oh for um, sure i mean it and, really showed brazil's interests right? yeah yeah i mean so that that's a valid and important criticism um but like, let's look at what's happening right now, <laughs> right fucking now in Haiti, you know? Um, so, yeah, so that, that I mean, I just wanted to make sure we brought that up. Um, but as far as as far as anything that's spun up um, beyond the demonstrations, I think that's the only like new current event I have. Well, another demonstration going on um, is over in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> the uh, Temaki, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Okay. Um, anti-fascist group, which is um, uh, like a Maori-led trans liberation mm-hmm. action group, um, they uh, led a anti-demonstration against Julian Bachelor, who's like, like, um, I don't know, like a Milo, you know? I, I don't know. That's yeah. not exactly the right sub in, right? But like, he's you know a fascist that goes around public speaking, sure anti-trans stuff and stuff like that and this was as well as an anti-maori thing so in new zealand they're very much aware of how connected trans issues are with indigenous issues it's something i notice a lot too and is why we have such a um high trans representation and how much we argue on behalf of trans comrades and stuff like that i'm you know non-binary or wink day is what i would prefer people to say Mm -hmm. um but you know here we are um, <laughs> but anyway, they, uh, they've been leading awesome counter demonstrations, um, against these people doing like noise drownouts and stuff like that. One of, uh, my favorite things they've done is a haka, which is like, a, a traditional Maori show of solidarity and unity between each other. So like, um, a lot of it's, the, you've probably seen it where like they stomp and then like they'll I don't know, flex and dance. I don't know really um, how they would describe it themselves, but you know, like there's a lot of different motions that go into it that are very animated. Yeah. Um, that uh, I'm sure like white people are just like, what's happening. But um, there's a soccer league that uh, does it. I forget that in New- from New Zealand, a Maori soccer league. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I just think that's uh, something to pay attention to. And once again, showing that indigenous people, you know, are looking out for the most disenfranchised people in their countries, you know, um, or what there's occupiers countries. Right. Um, and I just think, you know, people should pay attention to that. Uh, there's also some similar examples in um, Canada too recently. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, you know, it's funny and just related to current events. Bobert's like friends with uh, my family in Denver. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. So all I'm saying is we're that close to turning so you, Bobert you had, to communists. You you had an inside scoop on, on Gropegate then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now she like went and visited my grandma like the same day. Oh like, my goodness. Uh, she, she went to this, it was like a community thing. And my grandma was set up there selling stuff. So yeah. she's like, I'd take a picture with anybody as like even a fucking gutter rat if it meant free publicity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone take a picture of someone famous. There you go. I was like, that's <laughs> good in the bag. Way to go, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> good. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, but yeah, that's so, current events. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, we could also touch on like Paul Hutchinson, um, who is the 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 um, executive producer of that like QAnon movie about like child trafficking where basically everyone involved has been caught child trafficking and he grotesquely like volunteered I guess for some like human trafficking uh, assistance thing and then like was caught on camera uh, groping the the trafficking victims the underage trafficking victims Uh, but I think that one kind of gets covered because it's one of those things where like liberals see it as a partisan dig and don't think about the larger system and then like don't shut up about it uh, but if for some reason you don't know about it, once again, that Sound of Freedom fucking QAnon movie is basically run entirely by child sex traffickers. I mean, they're crazy people. Um, QAnon did an episode. QAnon Anonymous. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like, QAnon did an episode. Okay, QAnon Anonymous did an episode. QAnon Anonymous did an episode. It might be a Patreon-only episode, though. But, um... The guy, they lie so much. It's unbelievable. Like, just so much lying happening. I had a... This is a Buffalo... He's from Buffalo, New York. But Buffalo Communist on Twitter. He's, like, super pro Sound of Freedom because he worked with the director or something when he was in school. (laughs) Oh, God. And I turned him against the movie when I was like, listen to this podcast. And then (laughs) tell me... How trustworthy that dude is. Yeah. Sometimes you just run into bad people in life. And you got to realize just because you know them doesn't mean they're not bad people. Yeah. Like so. my uncle's Russell Means. <laughs> you bring the guns to Contras. There's nuance, but. Yeah. You're condemned, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope. We get it. And uh, and so with that, uh, we're going to turn to our reading, Gramsci. Uh, again, we're on chapter three, factories and councils of, and so factory councils and socialist democracies, uh, factory councils, of course, being uh, the kind of Italian um, workers councils that happened that Gramsci was comparing to the Soviets at the time. It's the um, syndicalism. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a syndicalism run there in, in Gramsci, which Gramsci would later go back and go, oh, this was wrong and, and kind of. Well, it's not that but, it's not that 
you know, he's supportive of it. It's that he's noticing similarities between this and the mm. Bolsheviks and that if they want to achieve revolution, right, they need to yeah. adapt and- the syndicalists into actual Soviets instead because there's so much reaction. Not that the Soviets didn't have reaction themselves, but there's so much reaction that's still well, and you can you can tell internalized that, is that, that yeah, and you can you can kind of start seeing in the analysis where Gramsci like starts talking about you know a war of position rather than just a war of maneuver, um, and and not just taking one revolution and carbon copy it somewhere else is because Gramsci made these mistakes, you know, and 100%. and, and self crit hard, and that self crit is a large part of Gramsci's theory, and we're continuing in the midst of that, so. Uh, part two, Conquest of the State. Um, did you want to go ahead and read Chikmani too? Yeah, since I wasn't here last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> capitalist concentration determined by the mode of production produces a corresponding concentration of working human masses. This is the fact that underlies all the revolutionary thesis of Marxism. What That underlies the conditions of the new proletarian way of life. The new communist order destined to replace the bourgeois way of life and the disorder of capitalism arising from free competition and class struggle. Excuse me. In the sphere of general capitalist activity, the work too operates on the level of free competition. He is an individual and a citizen, but the starting condition is not the same for everyone at the same time. The existence of private property places the social minority in a privileged position and makes the struggle uneven. The worker is continuously exposed to the most deadly hazards. The bare necessities of his life, his culture, the life of the future of his family are all exposed to the sudden consequences of a shift in the labor market. So the worker attempts to free himself from the sphere of competition and individualism. The principles of combination and solidarity become paramount for the working class. They transform the mentality and way of life of the workers and peasants. Organs and institutions embodying these principles arise. They are the basis upon which the processes of historical development that leads us to communism and the means of production and exchange begins. The principle of combination can and must be seen as the central feature of the proletarian revolution. The emergence and development of the Socialist Party in the, quote, trade unions in the period preceding the present one. Oh, is that even a quote? Is that just a mark on the <laughs> PDF? Um, <laughs> so anyway, parentheses, what we might call the period of the first and second internationals or the period of recruitment was dependent upon this historical tendency. The development of these proletarian institutions and of the whole proletarian movement in general was not, however, autonomous. It was not constrained wholly by laws inherent in the living conditions and historical experience of the exploited working class. In fact, the laws of historical development were laid down by the property-owning class organized in the state. The state has always been the protagonist of history. In its organs, the state has always been, wait, in its organs, the power of the property class is centralized. Within the state, the property class forges its own discipline and unity over and above 
the disputes and clashes of competition in order to keep intact its privileged position in the supreme phase of competition itself, the class struggle of for power, for preeminence in the leadership and ordering of society. Isn't this just oh. crony capitalism? <laughs> no, um, I mean, <laughs> uh, there is um, a, a quote I really liked in this paragraph where it says the state is the protagonist of history. Cause there's so many times you hear like history is written from the victors history is written by the victors. And that's largely true. Um, but history is normally it, it's less that is written just by the victors. Cause all kinds of people can write and all kinds of evidence could pop up and, and things like that. Right. Um, the victors have primary control because as the States, you know, it's the protagonist and it's not just the victors, it's the state, whatever state you're in the state, is the protagonist and, and history is centered around that uh, and history is centered around that. And, and anything the state does wrong is, you know, is, is the development of the state is a flawed, it's history, just like character development. Um, and then any thing the state does, does right is what makes it a hero. So I, I think that's a, it's a very powerful sentence right there. And I mean, it really speaks to um, people's conceptualization of historiography, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. So I continue. Oh, let me take a drink of water. Uh, ASMR. <laughs> um, where were we <laughs> in this period? Right. Sorry. I was on mute. Yeah. Um, we're on in this period. Okay. In this period, the proletarian movement was merely a function of capitalist free competition. Proletarian institutions developed influences under the formidable pressure of events and compulsions dependent upon capitalist competition. In this lies the origin of the inner conflicts, the deviations, the hesitations, the compromises that characterizes the whole of the proletarian movement's existence prior to the current period and which have now culminated in the bankruptcy of the Second International. Some of the currents in this movement had emphasized trade union organization as the essential feature of the revolution and direct activity accordingly. At one stage, the syndicalist movement appeared in the light of the true interpreter of Marxism, the true interpreter of reality. The error of syndicalism consists in this. It assumes that the present form and functions of the trade unions are permanent and represent the perennial form of the principle of combination. When in fact they have been imposed on the unions and not proposed by them. And so cannot have a constant and predictable line of development. Syndicalism while presenting itself as the initiator of spontaneous libertarian tradition was in fact one of the many disguises of the Jacobin and abstract spirit. This was the origin of the errors of the syndicalist current, uh, which isn't it? Sorry. I thought that was a newspaper. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which did not succeed in replacing the socialist party in the task of educating the working class for the revolution. The workers and peasants felt that so long as the property class and the free state 
are dictating the laws of history, any attempt to remove oneself from the sphere of operation of these laws is inane and ridiculous. There is no denying the fact that within the general configuration of an industrial society, each man can actively participate in affairs and modify his surroundings only to the extent that he operates as an individual and citizen. As a member of the democratic parliamentary state, oh, and citizen, as a member of the, okay, sorry. The liberal experience is not worthless and can only be transcended after it has been experienced. The apoliticism of the apolitic apoliticals was merely a degeneration of politics to reject the state and fight against it as much as the political act as to take part in the general historical activity that is channeled into parliament and the municipal councils, the popular institutions of the state. Um, so what's this? What this is saying is, if you're not explicitly fighting for the movement, you're complicit in the building of the state. So maybe yeah. you should think about that when you go. Oh, settler colonialism uh, is long gone. None of my ancestors helped, which they did almost 100. Yeah. percent You know, like that. Like the the state didn't just fucking doesn't just exist how it does uh, because colonialism ended. You know, yeah. like. That doesn't make any sense. When it, I do, like, <laughs> I do find it interesting and wonder how much you know. And personally, because again, Gramsci's been brilliant and illuminated stuff. How much I agree or disagree with, uh, but there, there's definitely something to this sentence. It says the liberal experience is not worthless; can only be transcended after it has been experienced. Right, which is basically like you have to make the mistake of thinking you could be left wing and turn to to the state and find good solutions before you get frustrated and realize materially it's not the solution and turn away. And I'm wondering, like, to some degree that's true. And there's a lot of people that that never did that and just came out anti-government first and then fall into the trappings of fascism. But do you have to spin your tires on that necessarily, you know, just to learn the materialism and, and fall into socialism? And I think that's that's an interesting debatable sentence. I wonder if it, it has, I think to it's with- expanded later once because he's already okay. laid the groundwork of fascism. Yeah. Being able to offer an alternative, right? Yeah. Yeah. And fashion. Well, and he, he, he talked about Marionetti being, and, and again, this is coming off Marionetti, right? Marionetti mm-hmm. was anti-state, anti the old guard. You know, this is how you got terms like drain the swamp for M- Mussolini and then reused for Trump and shit like that. Right. Like everyone is bad. This is why fascists seem like they're criticizing corporations, even though they're super pro corporate, right? Everything is bad. We've got to make a new world and our image. And that new world is going to, going to, you know, be like by the young people that that are going to own the world and they're going to violently just take it over and there's not enough discussion of goal in mind right this is something that always scares me when people do like the the boomer shit you know and start getting not not just like the disrespect for the elders that have fought and the fact that you know more elders are right-leaning because the wealthier you are the more right-leaning you are and wealthier people get to live longer but i think that's an over prescription of it might be it might be right because like my elders aren't like that you know my elders yeah i mean they do have right-wing leanings because of cold war propaganda or whatever but well right right but it's a broad category you know there's going to be elders that were revolutionaries right you know, um, I mean, we talk well, about my elders are revolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we talk about the stuff that happened in the seventies. Like, who the hell do you think was doing that, right? And and so this is where you know I hate a lot of the generation talk, but it's not to the extremity of just like 
anti-state and like when you hear people really lean into the the stuff we we learned about um in black reconstruction with like the public schools and the, the taxes coming to plantation owners for the first time in reconstruction and that starting the like anti-state rally because they just didn't want to you know support black people with public goods and and pay taxes on their plantations well, but it's kind of evolved and held steady over the years and popped up in other societies because fascism comes from like marionettes like let's smash the state let's make something new and and the goal in mind isn't really it, it's not it's not about the goal right it's about the change and when it's not about the goal it's about the change then then you know there's no fucking goal and then it turns into any goal can be can be usurped Right. Well, and that's what reaction. they did with Black Reconstruction, right? They invent mm-hmm. the Buffalo Soldier and then move to the West to start taking over. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, all the while, like uh, I had somebody try to use the Southern Homestead Acts as an example of Black people being settlers, right? Oh, geez. <laughs> I was like, that's a take. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. He's, so he sends, sends a Wikipedia article. And like, as soon as you read it, it's like, um, the Southern bureaucrats, however, weren't informing black people that they could claim land. And even when they did in like issue homestead claims. Yeah. Right. Um, only a thousand of the 6,500 that made it past like the person you handed to. Yeah. Yeah. Like they actually were filed. Mm. Um, so like not even, not even redlining just popping up, you know, in the new deal and, and later on, right. like redlining goes back to, to homesteading. Yeah, yeah. literally. I mean, yeah. it, and 12 years, they take the law off the books and they remove black people from eligibility. Mm-hmm. 12 years. To say that Reconstruction <laughs> somehow brought black people into settler status is just a historical nonsense that ignores what happens after reconstruction and ignores why W.E.B. Du Bois moved to Africa instead of staying in America. Mm -hmm. You know, he fucking hated this place. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, continuing. Um, This was the origins of the errors of the syndical. Wait, wait, wait. We already did that. Right. Yeah, we're on, let's see, they made no mistake. Did I go too far? The cynicalists worked outside of reality and hence their politics were fundamentally mistaken. Is that not where we ended? I think so, yeah. The cynicalists worked outside of reality and hence their politics were fundamentally mistaken. On the other hand, the parliamentary socialists worked in close contact with events and while they could make mistakes, and indeed they committed many mistakes and grievous ones too, they made no mistake in the direction their activity took, and so they triumphed in the competition, the broad masses, the people who objectively modify social relations through intervention, favored the social populist party. Notwithstanding all its mistakes and shortcomings, the party did succeed in the final analysis in accomplishing its mission, namely to transform the proletariat into something whereas before it had never been nothing to give it an awareness, to point the liberation movement firmly and enthusiastically in the direction corresponding in its general lines to the process of historical development of human society. The gravest error of the socialist movement was akin to that of the syndicalists. 
participating in the general activity of human society within the state. Socialists forgot that the role had to be essentially one of criticism, criticism of antithesis, instead of mastering reality. They allowed themselves to be absorbed by it, which is interesting because that's what's happening now. Like, yeah, yeah. As I Joe mean, well, Biden visits Vietnam, so did the CPUSA. That's weird. <laughs> well, saying. yeah, and the CPUSA really did that a long time ago. But even even some members of of like you know um, the Black Panthers we talked about. Uh, oh my goodness, I am suddenly blanking on his name. Was the founder of. Uh, the Chicago Black Panthers with Fred Hampton, Fred, and then oh. uh, now is a Democrat in the and uh, is an electric representative in in Chicago. Um, ooh, I am totally blanking. I'll I'll figure it out before the episode's up. Um, but you know, I mean, you you see some of that too, right? Like I. When when the state absorbs you, it's it's more powerful than you, right? Yeah, and that's why we can't fall for like the smash, smash, smash. We have to worry about building, and we should still like fight for reforms and rights and things in the time because you build a revolution as you gain strength. And sometimes fighting and, and winning those victories gains you strength. People see you in the victories. You have more power now from that victory. Things like that. But you can't allow it to cross a threshold where you're being absorbed by the state because then the state owns you and controls you. And all of a sudden you become something like we just mentioned reconstruction, right? A very left-wing revolutionary thing, but because it was run by a very reactionary state, it's calling it revolutionary is, you know, being generous, you know, it's a good idea, but it's subjective ideals versus objective reality of liberalism. Liberalism is going to do that. Yeah, you know, and yes. this is one of the many examples of it doing that. There mm-hmm. might be a, like the Green New Deal, conceptually. Yeah. Wow, what right. a concept! And then we we watch what happened. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, the that's, that's, that's the, yeah, and th- and this is always the problem, right? Is like you want something to be popular, and we Gramsci talked about this before. Is it's more important? It's less important to be popular and this was a little bit of Gramsci's Gramsci's mistake with the workers councils it's less important to be popular and more important to um, have the people's interest and a goal in mind and guide the people there right it's not like and there's always a balance you know um, you're not dictating you it has to be the people's will right I mean this is where um, um, I'm suddenly forgetting the Maoist concept Um People's party from the people. Mass uh, line. Mass line. Thank you. My goodness. Words Sorry, just I was fall like, out of my head. What, what, words, words and names are, are just not getting? in there. That's are. Yeah. Um, no, but the, you know that that's the idea of a, ma- a mass line concept, right? Go to the people. You know, get what they need. Bring them. Bring them. You know, uh, your understanding of the idea in a revolutionary fashion. Get them to buy in. Then get them to tell what you need back and forth. You're always working as as the leader of the people. Right, um, as the vanguard for the people, most especially not even necessarily the leader, uh, but the vanguard, you know. But you can't, you can't do that if you're not connecting or coming from the people. Then you're just dictating. You don't have their interests, but you also just can't get absorbed and and tail right. And we've always got to find that balance. And this is this is a lot of that discussion is where you cross the threshold and you start being absorbed. And all of a sudden, what is is aiming your revolutionary arrow? more is all of a sudden dulling the tip you know well right so like whenever you're making your projects you know they 
especially if it's national liberation based, it's important to recognize that there's some potential in using like petite bourgeois money. There's not a lot of potential in letting those people be leaders, let alone thought leaders. Yeah. You know, they're good for one thing and it's their finances. Yes. Yes. You know, you got to know where people belong in your revolution. And like, as soon as you start going, well, let's let the bourgeois make some decisions. It's no, no. Yep. Don't do that. All right. I'm going to do a little reading. It's going to be a shorter episode, so I'm not going to have much reading in, but I'm going to go ahead here. So Marxist communists should be characterized by what may be called a, oh God, why did I volunteer to read? Myutic mentality. Their activities does not consist in throwing themselves into the course of events determined by bourgeois competition, but in a critical biding of their time. History is a continuous process of development and hence is essentially unpredictable. But this does not mean that everything is unpredictable in the process of development of history. That history, in other words, is the domain of arbitrariness and irresponsible caprice. History is at once freedom and necessity. The institution in whose development and activity history is embodied emerged and continue to exist because they have a task and a mission to accomplish. Their immersion developed particular objective conditions for the production of material wealth for men's intellectual awareness. If these objective conditions, which by virtue of their mechanical nature are almost mathematically commensurable, change, then there is a corresponding change in the totality of relations that regulate and form human society and a change in degree of men's awareness. The social configuration is transformed. Traditional institutions are impoverished and become inadequate to their task, obstructive and lethal. If man's intelligent were incapable of discerning a rhythm or establishing a process in the course of history, then civilized life would be impossible. Political genius can be recognized precisely by this capacity to master the greatest possible number of concrete conditions necessary and sufficient to determine a process of development. By the capacity, therefore, to anticipate both the immediate and distant future on the basis of the institution, to prescribe a state's activity, and to hazard the fortunes of people. In this sense, Karl Marx was by far the greatest of contemporary political geniuses. Um, and Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, isn't... So he's make, who who said that um, history um, doesn't repeat it rhymes. Oh, I I can't remember. I know Marx's one was um, history. You know, happens one first as tragedy, and then second as farce. There's usually a lot of variations of this kind of thing. Um, no, no, I know, but he seems to be referencing specifically the rhyming one, right? When he mm. says, you know, the, the rhythm or establishing a process in the genius uh, in the course of history. Sorry, skip a line. Mm. Um, a lot of that seems like explaining the rhyming thing that, yeah, mm. there's patterns, but it's yeah. not necessarily the same. I'm not, I'm not sure what I was taking it as was a description of historical materialism. And we no, a hundred percent, but so sure. is uh, correcting. Oh, yeah. The saying, you know, yeah. history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. Yeah, you know, hmm. there's slight differences, but it's similar enough that you recognize the similarities. That's what a rhyme is, right? Um, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Um, oh, uh, let's see. This is attributed to Mark Twain, but I bet that's apocryphal. Um, I could so. believe it was Mark Twain. Okay, well, Mark Twain then. 
Um, <clears throat> oh, you're muted. Oh, okay. I, I didn't have anything yeah. else. I just, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I saw you were saying something. Okay. Sorry. Video delay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, and, and for folks that are not familiar, historical materialism in contrast, dialectical, which is from evidence, contrasting, contrasting contradictions, um, and the evidence, the material that determines you figuring out what the contradiction is, how to resolve it. If there is a revolution or if there is a resolution and how that, that would work. Right. Um, it's basically taking Hegelian ideas and starting from evidence rather than, than debating it out. Uh, whereas historical materialism is like people make history, but people only have the thoughts of what history they want to make and the capacity to make that history based on their conditions. So human thought and human action is still the driver of history, but is completely contained and driven by the material conditions. It is not mechanical, but it limits the possibilities, right? And, and, and seeds, seeds what direction it's going to go. And so that's what was talked about in the last paragraph. If for some reason you guys need that, that run over. Bam. Bam. Um, the socialists have simply accepted and frequently in a supine fashion, that's not a, a gentle way to say this. Um, uh, the historical Wait, what's that word mean again? Supine is, is a way you, you, a vulnerable like medical position to, to lay, like laying, I believe it's on your back with your arms to your side. Now I got to look it up. I'm, I'm like 90% sure it's laying on your back with your arms by your side. It's totally that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah, because it's it's the position someone would lay in for like you know certain examinations or surgeries or things like that. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, uh, the- so basically, he's saying like the socials are just taking it laying down. They're not doing jack shit, right? They're they ha- they maybe have the right c- critique, but it's they're just shaking their fist taking it laying shit. down. I got yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the historical reality produced by capitalist initiative. They've acquired the same mistaken mentality as the liberal economists. They believe in the perpetuate, the perpetuity and fundamental perfection of the institutions of the democratic state and their well, view. And oh, expanding this, the yeah. settler believes in the institutions of a settler state and mm-hmm. upholds them. It's the same shit. You just have to expand your analysis a little further because Europe didn't have to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only way to, to, to run things is with borders and um, you know, you need police and, and all that shit, you know, that that's all, all a belief. And again, so would us just assuming that people can never change that mindset too. You know, that's, I've, I've had my rant on capitalist realism. It's a great concept to understand where people's mindset is right now. But you can't be a realist about the existence of capitalist realism, which I think the person that made that term even kind of is. Um, that has to be something we change in people's minds. Otherwise, we're just naming it and laying down and pretending people don't drive history. Um, anyway, in their view, the form of these democratic institutions can be corrected, touched up here and there, but in fundamentals must be respected. An example of this narrow-minded con- conceit is evidence in, Phil- in Filippo Tarati's Minoan, Minoan judgment that parliament stands in relation to the Soviet like the city to the barbarian horde. Um, I guess the closest example of that is like, you know, the, the, the fight against fascism starts with voting Democrat, right? Like that, that seems very much along the lines of, of, of that is like Democrats being a vanguard against fascism. Um, 
Now the modern formula of the conquest of the state arises precisely from this mistaken conception of historical development, from the old game of compromise and from cretinous tactics of parliamentarism. We, on the other hand, remain convinced in the light of the revolutionary experiences of Russia, Hungary, and Germany that the socialist state cannot be embodied in the institutions of the capitalist state. Oh, Gramsci got bad news about Germany. Um, We remain convinced that with respect to these institutions, if not with respect to those of the proletariat, the socialist state must be a fundamentally new creation. The institutions of the capitalist state are organized in such a way as to facilitate free competition Merely to change. Right, what person. a long-winded way to say you cannot simply lay, lay holes of the ready Exactly. Statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, merely the change of the personnel in these institutions is hardly going to change the direction of their activity. Right. Like f- swap out CEOs, they're still the same fucker. Elected new president, still the same fucking well, institution. You know, like with regard to the Interior Department, put mm-hmm. an Indian in. They're still going to steal the land. Yeah. Eh. Nope. Uh, the socialist state is not yet communism, i.e. the establishment of a practice of an, and an economic way of life that are communal. But it is a transitional state whose mission is to suppress competition by the suppression of private property, classes, and national economies. This mission cannot be accomplished by parliamentary democracy, so the formula of conquest of the state should be understood in the following sense. Replacement of the democratic parliamentary state by a new type of state, one that is generated by the associative experience of the proletarian class. And that is where we will leave off today. (laughs) So thank you all for the listening. We'll finish those last few paragraphs uh, (laughs) next next week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Reminder that this is coming out while I'm in uh, Pine Ridge again. um, moving a house, um, I don't think we'll reach the construction goal, so I'm just going to leave the money there, and it's going to be out of my hands. So, you know, <laughs> but you know, they, they can survive winter with it, or they can find the rest of it to move the house or whatever. It needs to move by the end of the week. So, uh, wish us luck. Otherwise, it's going to be demolished by the person who owns the property it's on right now. But it's a free house. Why would we let yeah. it away? Yeah. You know? Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's on GoFundMe. It's Red Road Construction and Wheelchair Police with PLS. Um, the wheelchair, obviously, we have till the end of the year to earn the money for. No big deal. Um, and we'll be bringing a cameraman out to film the land and take drone shots and shit of various things um, for propaganda purposes mainly. But, you know, there's a lot that we're going to be able to do with all the footage and stuff. Um, besides that, what else? Um, if you want to get a hold of us and complain, you can email the pod at marksmadnesspod at gmail.com, or you can email me directly at chunkaluta1973 at gmail.com, or my personal email, Island at gmail.com. Um, you can also go to the Patreon to support us monthly. Um, there you'll find uploads of various photos from my travels organizing um you'll see gardening updates uh i'm writing like a motorcycle diaries-esque um journal entries about these travels and the various crazy things that go on um 
as well as uh, you help support pay hosting fees for the website that's on its way out. It's literally like done. Like it's so close to being up. And the only real issue is the webmaster is currently not in a good state of mind. So we have to wait until we can launch or find a new website master something like that. Either way, um, you know, lots of reasons to support us, lots of things going on. Um, the GoFundMe explains a lot of why you should donate. Um, there's also Zicato's Tin Can Cash App if you want to support me while I'm out in South Dakota and help me live a little more comfortably while I'm in a tent. Um, that'd be cool. Otherwise, you know, donate to the GoFundMe. And let's get that wheelchair. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, Twitter. That- oh shit. X. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> at, at Mark's Madness Pod, and then at uh, the Colonial Marks. That's uh-huh. the, the the new tag. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, and then like uh, at Chunkaluta Ord or something like that. I thought it was. I- at Chuggaluta Org was that at Chuggaluta Network? I couldn't remember. Uh, maybe it's Network. I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look it up. Okay, we'll, right. it'll be in the show notes. So, yeah. all right, folks. So, like we said, you know, go out there, get get us, help us out with that GoFundMe. That's really important. Um, and go out there. You know, I mean, uh, share the knowledge, read the theory, organize uh, your local people, and we will talk to you next week. My name is David. My name is Shumani too. Uh, We are tied at the hip. No. (laughs) 